0: Dark Travels, a podcast. Hi, welcome to the Dark Travels podcast. I'm Crystal from WanderingCrystal.com,
1: and I'm Dagney from CultureObscure.com. This week, we are talking about self-immolations, and in part, the political revolts and revolutions and whatnot that they have been a part of.
0: And if you're not sure what it is, it's the act of killing yourself for political or religious reasons, and it's usually done by burning yourself. Yeah, so
1: Um, you set yourself on fire.
0: Yeah, usually it's done as an extreme act of protest or in moments of urgency and helplessness.
1: Yes which I can't imagine ever being that helpless, but I suppose that is just a sign of my privilege.
0: Yeah, exactly. I can't place myself there either.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine ever being so out of options that I was going to set myself on fire. I feel like maybe I could feel like I was out of enough options to kill myself, but I don't think I'd do it by setting myself on fire.
0: No, it seems like one of the worst ways to go. Yeah, which is why I can kind of see it as being an act
1: of protest, but I just Mm -hmm. don't think I'd ever be dedicated enough to do that. No, me neither. No way. No. That probably makes me a really (laughs) unconvicted person, but yeah, I just can't think of anything that I feel that strongly about that I'd be willing to go out that way, because dying by burning is supposed to be one of the worst ways to die.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm quite surprised that that's the route that they take, but I guess obviously it works. It catches people's attention and people are actually you know paying attention to these people who are burning themselves in an act of protest. So in a way I guess it gets the job done.
1: Yeah it definitely seems to make a statement but certainly there are parts of the world where self-immolations are more common and it's hard to see that it's made much of a difference unfortunately.
0: Yeah I've noticed that most of the countries are in Asia. Yes. Uh, and for me, the most famous one, which most people have probably at least seen photos of, is the Burning Monk. Yeah. That's... I cannot say his name for the life of me. Can you pronounce his name? No. Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll just call him the Burning Monk. Um, and he burned, himself in, he burned himself alive on the streets of Saigon in 1963. Um, and he did it to protest the persecution of Buddhists by the South Vietnamese government. And he just sat there completely still set himself ablaze and just didn't move and it's probably one of the most famous images out there
1: yeah and I think probably what makes it so what what resonates so much with people is the fact that he just sits there silently because you think that <laughs> if you set yourself on fire you would be running around screaming but he, exactly he just sits there quietly he doesn't even sort of twitch or flail he just sits there which is
0: impressive really it is it is yeah the the flames just engulf him and he's just quiet and it it just adds like that much more it, it just has like a stronger effect by the fact that he is just letting it happen he's not fighting back it's amazing in a horrible way I guess
1: yeah it is it shows the dedication that he has and how how much conviction he has for the cause but it is also horrifying that someone can not only put themselves through that but just sit through it yeah exactly
0: the only, well, not the only thing that I don't like about it, one of the things that I really don't like about the act is that after these people set themselves on fire and ultimately die, then for the whatever cause that they're fighting for, then they're gone. They're dead, so they don't really know if it did have an effect, and they can't keep fighting afterwards. And I do know that, obviously, they feel helpless, but it's just like... You know, I feel like that they should stick around and fight for their cause, but I mean, I've never been in that situation, so...
1: Yeah, it does seem a shame that they don't sort of get to see the effects of it, as it were. I mean, I guess, though, certainly the first ones that ever did it can't see the effects of it. But going forward, people, I guess, continue to do it because they have seen what it has accomplished. So Mm, I guess they can sort of die at least with like the piece of knowledge that in theory it will make a difference because they've seen it make a difference before.
0: That is very true. Yeah, I didn't think about it that way. But yeah, that's completely true. Just those first few people didn't really know if it would make a difference, but they felt like it would enough that they went ahead with it. Yeah, exactly. And I guess that
1: is even more of a conviction, because they didn't know it was going to make a difference. But at least, yeah, at least everyone else sort of has that peace of mind, even if it ends up not being true, they have the peace of mind that, in theory, it will make a difference because they, they've seen it make so much of a difference in the past, or at least it's got and people talking about it and hopefully the more conversation there is around the issue the the better it will become.
0: So, so you had yeah. mentioned um, that you knew about other cases.
1: So the first one I really remember actually realizing what it meant and sitting down and thinking about it was in 2011 when Tarek El-Tayyab Mohammed Bouazizi just sort of got up one morning went into the marketplace where he lived in Sidi Bouazid and just set himself on fire and I remember thinking about that or or sort of remembering it because the way it was written was as if it was just any other day you know he just went about his normal routine and then all of a sudden he set himself on fire and that sparked this whole revolution that kicked off across the entire Middle Eastern region and that kind of sparked my interest and there were a couple other people throughout the Middle East that set themselves on fire as well, but it never really took off, as it were, the way it has in Asia and even parts of Europe at certain parts in history. But that is the first one that sort of made me look into it more and and realize that people have been doing this for hundreds of years as a form of protest.
0: Mm -hmm. I think the kind of coolest way or the coolest outcome of this man, Mohammed Bouazizi, is he didn't intend to start a revolution, but he did.
1: Yeah, exactly. He was just frustrated and... He was protesting what had happened to them, which was the restrictions being put on the Tunisians and the way the government was not really governing and, and the fact that it was becoming quite tyrannical. But he wasn't necessarily trying to start a revolution in Tunisia, let alone across an entire region of the world. Yeah. But it really did. It set off so much across Tunisia, Egypt, Yemen, and I mean, Yemen still sort of seeing the end of that and there's been a lot of people that have said you know certain countries had different forms of the Arab Spring and certain countries didn't really have an Arab Spring but it still set all of that off. Each one of those countries saw what was happening in the other and they all sort of had their own reaction to that. Whether it was to stand up to the government or not. Some countries didn't necessarily have a problem with the way things were being ran or not enough of a problem to say anything. Some countries weren't in a position to do that, but it still sparked something massive as opposed to even just like a localized protest which I feel a lot of them have been in the past is they have made a difference but it's been very localized and people in that region have gotten involved and maybe even the international press reported on it but it wasn't necessarily it, it didn't spark a revolution across an entire region of the world. And the Middle East is a pretty big region. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, any region is big, but it's not like we're talking about the Baltics, which is still kind of just three countries. Like, the Middle East takes up the entirety of North Africa and a good chunk of Asia.
0: Yeah, I'm quite impressed. Yeah, I wonder when the last self-immolation occurred, or if it's still occurring. I mean, it's definitely still occurring.
1: I know someone set themselves on fire Earlier this year, in memory of Jan Palach, who is another famous person who set himself on fire in the Czech Republic, which we can talk about in a minute. Um, but he set himself on fire basically just to. In just to honor? Yeah, that's. I don't think that's right. <laughs> no, it's kind of weird, and I don't think anyone knows who it was. Like I. I don't think I've ever seen a name attached to it, but yeah, it, I find that quite weird because there are issues in the Czech Republic right now, but I don't, there there haven't really been issues that I feel warrant a self-immolation, at least not necessarily in
0: memoriam to someone.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong.
0: It just seems like he's just using that as an excuse to just commit suicide. Yeah. Rather than actually, you know, for a cause. Unless, of course, the issue is still occurring and he's doing that. There's just so many different factors in it that it just doesn't really make sense.
1: Yeah, the only thing I've ever seen reported about it is that the official statement is that he did it as a memoriam. He, he did it in... I should just stop using the word memoriam. He did it in remembrance <laughs> Of Jan Polic, which is strange. I mean, as I say, I know the Czech Republic, like, this year was in the news for having some government issues, and there were protests, but it doesn't feel like the situation there right now is anywhere near what it was when Jan Polic set himself on fire in 1969. Right. And, I mean, so we can talk about why he set himself on fire, so that there's some context, but basically... He set himself on fire, so in the Czech Republic in 1968, they had what is often referred to as the Prague Spring, and the leader at the time, he sort of lifted a lot of the freedom of... The, he lifted a lot of the restrictions on speech that the, the Soviet Union had imposed on the Czech Republic and anyone falling under the banner of the USSR. And any other countries that they had control over which included the Czech Republic and so the leader at the time sort of lifted a lot of these restrictions and a lot of the, well, at the time it was Czechoslovakia so a lot of the Czechoslovakians suddenly were experiencing a lot more freedom of speech than they had previously which meant that they were saying some things against the Soviet government that the Soviets didn't appreciate and so the Soviets used something called the Warsaw Pact which was between Poland, the Soviet Union, and a couple other countries that fell under their purview such as Belarus, the Czech Republic, and a couple others that I can't remember right now. And they had all of the other countries aside from uh, Czechoslovakia invade Prague to basically say we don't like what's happening. So they showed up in Prague and kind of tried to restore order so that no one was continuing to say things that they didn't like and they basically that was the end of the Prague Spring and as a result the Czechoslovakians were not very happy with the fact that they had now gone back to not being able to say all these things that they wanted to say and Czechoslovakia in general and Prague in particular has a really long history of resistance they were really resistant against the Nazis. They killed um, Reinhard Heydrich, who was one of, the, one of Hitler's right-hand men. They fought tooth and nail constantly against the Nazis, constantly against the Soviets. They didn't like being under control. And it's not that anyone did, it's just that they, they really fought against it. And so when the Soviets came back in, they didn't like it. And a young student named Jan Pollich, set himself on fire in Wenceslas Square, which is right in the old town, right in the city center, in protest against the fact that the Soviet Union was basically trying to take back over Czechoslovakia. And that was a really big deal in the Czech Republic, he's a really important person in history in what is now the Czech Republic, what was then Czechoslovakia. And he has two memorials to him in the city. One is to him and another young student who set himself on fire as well a couple months later to basically continue what Jan Palach had started. And that one's right in Wenceslas Square, right kind of essentially where they both set themselves on fire. And another one is still in the city center, but a little further out, kind of near the Charles Bridge. And it has the most ridiculous name for a monument ever, and I love it, and it's called the house of suicide and the mother of the house of suicide and it's two oh yeah yeah it's a little (laughs) intense and it's two statues or sculptures and one is so they're cut it's like the base is a square like just a box and then the top one of them has spikes reaching in so it's like close like enclosing the box and the other one is the spikes are reaching out. And I don't know which one is supposed to be which. I think that's kind of the point, but I, I love the name of that sculpture because it's just kind of ridiculous. It also is clearly an important part of Czech history, but I do love the name of the monument because it just...
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know a lot about Czech Republic or Czechoslovakian history. Um, I did learn about the Warsaw Pact and everything in school, But can I just say that I love how resistant the people of Prague and the people of Czech Republic and Czechoslovakia back then were to all of these, like, the Soviets and the Nazis, and it's just, I love that. Yeah, I Although, also with what the the self-immolation that he did... It's just like a proof of how important like freedom of speech and freedoms really are in the world. Exactly, and I think in the Czech Republic
1: they have such a long history of sort of this resistance and I think it's also, when you travel through Europe different places are really different in the way that they present the history of World War II and then also what happened immediately after with the, the Soviet Empire in a lot of Eastern Europe. And some countries don't really have a lot of information on it. And a lot of countries are only just now putting up monuments to a lot of the horrible things that have happened. And the Czech Republic has a lot of spots that you can go and learn, a lot of museums, a lot of monuments, and they are continually putting more up. And I think part of the reason that they are so willing to talk about this history, where some countries aren't, is because it kind of just shows that they were resistant against it. Like, they can say that they have this history of resistance, and they're proud of that history of resistance, and it doesn't mean other countries didn't resist, I just think and there's definitely stories of resistance there's stories of resistance in Poland they were very resistant against it they had it much worse than a lot of other countries Um, oh definitely so I mean it was a lot like they couldn't not resist Yeah. but they you know and and they definitely are proud of that as well like they have the whole uprising museum in Warsaw so I think one of the reasons that they have so much about that history is just because they're really proud of it which I think is kind of cool and it is something Mm -hmm. that they should be proud of I mean, it's a horrible chunk of history, but it is nice that they are able to sort of remember the really horrible times by focusing on the good bits of it. Even though self-immolation is horrible, they can still focus on the fact that they fought back and they can be proud of that, which I think is important. And it really indicates that they were in the position to just move on and move forward and keep going instead of sort of having to dwell on what happened
0: yeah which is cool yeah so. I like I like that yeah obviously it's horrible and I still don't 100% agree with the act of self-immolation but obviously it has its place among history and these people didn't just die for no reason exactly. at least most of the time at least the stories that I've heard about protests
1: yeah a lot of them seem to have made a bit of a difference which, as you say, encourages other people to keep doing it, which I guess is kind of bad, but at least it's not completely without its purpose. Right. And it kind of gets somewhere. That having been said, Uh, I do feel like, because so many of them happen in China, and a lot of them have to do with Tibet, and so it's a lot of, and the the issue over China owning Tibet, and so a lot of people that set themselves on fire are Buddhist monks, and sometimes I feel like it just starts to feel like a lost cause because there's so many tibetan monks that have set themselves on fire and china being what it is is just so unwilling to relinquish any of that power over tibet yeah it's true so that often makes them uh, that
0: sad the most recent one that i can see is from 2018 um he wasn't a monk but his name is i apologize for saying it's wrong it's seiko and he ended up setting themselves on fire to protest the Chinese government ruling over Tibet. And this is in 2018. And obviously since then more acts of self-immolation have occurred, but it's still just shocking that to this day the Chinese government just has so much control over so many other places and people are protesting and nothing seems to be happening.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there were, I think, around 40 monks that set themselves on fire in 2011, so shortly after the Arab Spring, but it wasn't necessarily connected to that, it was just an ongoing issue in Tibet with China, and about 40 monks set themselves on fire. And it's still going on. Like, that didn't change anything. It didn't really make the Chinese government bat an eye. It does get the rest of the world talking about it, which hopefully eventually makes a difference, but it just doesn't seem to phase the Chinese government. I mean, maybe, maybe they like it, maybe they're like eventually they'll all set themselves on fire and we can just have the country. Oh,
0: oh yes, that's the thought of the Chinese government.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that's what they're thinking. Yeah, Which is just insidious, and I wouldn't necessarily put it past them. Not that I'm saying the entire Chinese government is awful, but certainly there are a lot of issues going on there. There Um, are a lot
0: of corruption in the Chinese government. Yeah. But it's not... We're not, like, scapegoating the whole country or the whole government, but obviously there are, yeah, like you said, there are a lot of issues and a lot of problems with the Chinese government.
1: Yeah, there's tons, and that doesn't mean that I think every Chinese person is evil, because I know that there's, you know, two sides to every story, and I also know that the government of a country is not the same as the people of a country. Exactly. 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 So I don't by any means think that every Chinese person wants what's happening in Tibet. Nor do I think every person on the Chinese government wants what's happening in Tibet. But certainly enough of the Chinese government wants what's happening or it wouldn't still be going on.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Very true phrase. The government is not the people.
1: Not the same. No. Not at all. So yeah. People are not their governments. I do think quite often people in America have a really hard time understanding that. I don't think the rest of the world has as much of a problem understanding that, but I do find that a lot of Americans struggle with
0: that concept. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest issue with Americans struggling with the concept that people are not their government is just how the news is broadcasted to them. Yeah, It's just fear-mongering, and they think that going to this country is a horrible, horrible place. Everybody's like this, everybody thinks this way, and it's just drilled into them the news, which you think should be a neutral place, but I think that's why most Americans do believe that people and government are one.
1: It's definitely fear-mongering, it's definitely how the media is presented, but it does amaze me that a lot of times, and I do honestly find it more often with Americans, although again, not all Americans, but certainly a lot of Americans have a really hard time disassociating people from their governments, even people in America who don't support the current government. So they themselves can see that their own government, whether it's when the Democrats were in power and they were Republican, or it's now when Trump is in power and they are a Democrat, they still seem to have a really hard time understanding that a people is not its government. And particularly in countries where the governments aren't elected at all, whether fairly or unfairly, they just take the government. And that's (laughs) particularly not the people's will, that is tyranny.
0: Yeah. If anyone is listening and they want more information, uh, Henry Rollins does a lot of talks about how he, he, as an American, he'll hear this news about horrible situations in countries, and he will hop on a plane, fly to that country, and meet the locals and see that they are not their government. And he talks about it all the time. I highly recommend checking him out if you want more information about mongering in the news and how the people and the citizens of certain countries that might be at war... Or might be having issues or have corrupt governments are nothing like what you see in the news or at least in the american news
1: yeah he is i love henry rollins he's great he does he yeah does a lot of really cool things yeah so yeah check him out we will link to him in one of these descriptions yes somewhere when we figure that out <laughs> so those are the two that i know the most about there's a couple more that i know i can talk about the very brief well i don't know that that much about it no one knows that much about it but the very first one that ever happened was in 396 a long time ago
0: yeah
1: (laughs) the guy who killed himself was named feiyu and he was a buddhist monk and that happened in china or what is today china back then it was a different empire and he set himself on fire he swallowed some incense chunks not like sticks but um like little pieces of incense and i think it's believed that he did that to sort of help lubricate his inside so that it would go quicker oh wow i don't know what he was protesting um it's so long ago that it's really difficult to find a lot of information on it i'm sure there's some somewhere and i just suck at research but yeah he presumably was protesting something that the government was doing whether it was anti-buddhist or anti the empire he was in or anti-humanist i don't know but that was that was the first one ever recorded and that really sort of You can see that there's a history of it in that part of the world for sure. sure. And I don't think there is another one, maybe there is, but I don't think there's another one until the late 1700s. I want to say 1775, 1780. It's divisible by five, and it's in the late 1700s. And that was a. So she's te- It was a woman, and she's technically considered the first suicide bomber, but she's also considered to be self-immolation as well, because she covered herself in ghee, which is kind of like butter, kind of, it's like oily butter, it's really hard to describe if you don't really know what ghee is, but...
0: Yeah, look it up. It's G-H-E-E. Yeah. The yeah it's
1: the Yeah, uh, it's very popular in India, and it really, the best way to describe it is it's kind of oily butter. <laughs> but yeah. it has its own specific substance. If you've eaten it, you'll, it's very distinct. But if you don't know what it is, that's the best way to describe it. So she covered herself in ghee so that when she, like, hit, it would, like, properly go up in flames. That was in India. It was a woman named Kuyili. And it was in protest against the British Empire impeding on, on India, which they weren't happy about. So she is considered both the first suicide bomber and the first female to self-immolate herself.
0: Wow. I had not heard of her.
1: Yeah, she's kind of cool. If you want to know more, you can look her up. But basically, the British took over India. The Indians weren't very happy about it she was like a guard or a fighter she fought for the queen at the time of the state of india that she was in or was it the state of the region of india that she was in and the queen's name was velu nachiyar yeah velu nachiyar nachiyar and so she basically to sort of secure to try and secure a victory for her queen against the british she attacked viciously and i believe she was successful i do i think it was considered a victory for the queen's army against the british in that particular
0: instance. wow yeah that's pretty impressive that like one woman Expect spark this that the British government would fail
1: yeah I mean they definitely still controlled India but I guess they backed off of that region at least for a little bit and she but, yeah, remained, impressive. yeah and she remained queen for a while I don't necessarily know how long but yeah she maintained control of the shivaganga region of India for a little while longer due to Kiyuli setting herself on fire and dive bombing the British in her honor
0: I don't know if I'd ever feel that strongly for a queen, personally.
1: Although I guess you could argue she also felt that strongly for her country. So I guess there's Mm. that. That is true. Yeah. But I do often feel that way. I don't think I'd ever feel that strongly for a leader.
0: So self-immolation obviously has its place in history, and a lot of people have done it, and it has had some good effects. Some things have changed, some revolutions have started. Obviously, it shouldn't still be happening, I don't think, in 2019, no. but there are issues around the world that people are still doing it because they are having, you know, corrupt governments or political protests, which I guess is the same thing. And I, I don't know, I just hope that eventually people doing self-immolation does stop.
1: Yeah, I mean, I it's, it's hard, like, it shouldn't still be happening, but also there's so many things in the world that kind of make it not necessary but you can see why people feel like it's necessary yes and unfortunately i don't really know how that's gonna stop happening because it doesn't seem like the world for for as much as people say the world is getting better and it is it also feels like at the same time in a lot of ways it's getting worse and i don't really know how it's ever going to get to the point given how things currently are that people aren't going to feel that level of desperation in some form mm-hmm. or another, whether it comes out through self-immolation or another form of protest. It just feels like the way things are going, I mean, considering how many people in Tibet have set themselves on fire and the Chinese government haven't budged, it just feels like... It has it's has not
0: working there. Yeah.
1: It has its place. It certainly has made a difference in some places. In some places it's sparked revolutions that changed the entire country for good or the entire region in some cases but I don't know what the end result is going to be because there's been like hundreds of cases in the last century and it's still going on in most of the places that people have done it and I don't know how How. they're going to fix that especially when you have people in the Czech Republic doing it in memorial to someone who did it
0: yeah, I mean, I I don't like it at all, and I don't really agree with it. Although it does obviously have some good effects, it so just I find that killing yourself, you know, you can't continue on with the fight. But you know, I'm not in that position. But I definitely think that doing it, setting yourself on fire in honor of somebody that set themselves on fire, has to be the stupidest thing to do.
1: Yeah, and I mean, no disrespect to his family. I'm sure it was a horrific thing to have to go through but it just, I can't see the point in that. I can see the point mm-hmm. in what Jan Pollich did. I can't see the point in setting yourself yes. on fire in memorial to him, especially, it's not like he was forgotten. The Czech people remember him and honor him quite you know well. It's not like he was trying to raise awareness for what he did because he was a forgotten hero.
0: Right, yeah, there has to be more into why he did it. I'll definitely check into it, but yeah, definitely no disrespect to his family. No. But yeah, I just don't, I don't think that it was, from what I know about it, I don't think it was a a good idea.
1: Same. I just can't quite see what the point was. But as I say, even though I've spent time in the Czech Republic from the last year and I know there were protests, I don't know enough about the political situation, in part because of how it's reported in English newspapers. So if anyone listening to this knows more than what we have access to, then feel free to email us and let us know so that we can fully understand the situation better yeah that would be great thank you we do like to learn and be well informed contrary to how these podcasts sometimes go
0: (laughs) yes we do the best with the knowledge that we have yeah but definitely appreciate anybody that can provide more more knowledge definitely so
1: yeah basically self-immolations gruesome way to go they do seem to have their place please don't set yourself on fire
0: thank you Goodbye. Bye.